Uh, when I was about seven years old, I was out in my backyard with a bunch of the neighborhood kids. Actually, we were in the neighbor's backyard. And this one, there was a tree that had apples on it that were starting to fall. And they were starting to turn brown and, and become rotten. The uh, kind of the ringleader of the, the group, this older boy, decided that we should throw the apples. But rather than just throw them at any target, he decided that we should throw them at the car that was in the alley with its window down. Now, I did not throw any apples because, first of all, I knew it was wrong. And second, I was too small. I wouldn't have been able to chuck it that far. Uh, so even if I had wanted to, it would have been pretty pathetic. But he and a couple of the other kids were launching these apple grenades at this car when suddenly the car's owner happened to walk outside, saw what was happening, and began screaming at the top of his lungs at us. And one of the boys decided to throw one more apple. That was it. The guy's incensed. He comes storming up, and I'm petrified. Like, I hate confrontation. And so little seven-year-old Aaron wants to just run back to my house and go inside to the safety of my bedroom. And for some reason, the oldest kid there says, stay here. And we all stayed. And this older man comes walking up, just screaming obscenities at us. And as he walks up, he grabs a hold of me, grabs me right on my right arm, and starts shaking me around as he's yelling at us. And I am petrified. Like, I hadn't done anything wrong, and yet I just thought, oh no, this guy's going to beat me up for not doing anything. And the, the oldest kid is just standing there defiant against this guy. Now, I, I don't quite remember how it all ended. I think I started to cry. Uh, and the guy finally let go, obviously. There's not still a guy holding onto my arm 40 years later. Uh, but I, all I remember is the, the feeling inside. Just being absolutely petrified, but also feeling incredibly demeaned. I felt like I had no value, and he only saw me as a troublemaker in this life, even though I hadn't done anything wrong. Maybe you have never had rotten apples thrown at your car, but you've had a moment where you wanted to grab a kid and kind of shake them. Now, if you are a parent, it's possibly your own kid, but maybe it's the kid who ran out in front of you as you're driving down the street. They weren't even looking or paying attention. And you just don't want to go like, oh, look both ways, kid. I could have killed you. Or, or, you know, maybe it's a niece or a nephew or, or, you know, someone else, a neighbor whose kids just scream and yell or, the, you know, the lady at the grocery store. You just want to go over and shake the kid. Maybe you want to shake the mom. Like, hey, you know, get control of your kid. But I think all of us, even if you are a kid, I think all of us have had a moment where we just get frustrated and ex exasperated with these little ones just because of their immaturity and, and whatnot. I think kids often in this world get viewed wrongly. I think sometimes they're looked at as troublemakers. Have you ever gone to the park and you see a group of kids and your first thought is not, oh, hey, look at that, they're playing. It's, oh, what are they up to? Or, or may, maybe, you know, you see kids as just kind of annoying. You know, some kids just happily singing along and you tell them to be quiet because you've got more important things to do, like, you know, read your phone. Or maybe the kid's just something to ignore. You know, you just kind of like push them off because you've got more important things to do. Like, read your phone. I think sometimes we view these kids as annoyances, as trouble, as maybe just something to ignore. But what we're going to see today is that actually we need to honor them because they are image bearers. If you're new to Riverwood, we talk quite a bit about back in the book of Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them with his image in them. 
And so to be human means to have the image of God in you. That image of God means that you have will, you have an intellect, you have personality, and it also means you have incredible value. But what we also know is that in the book of Genesis, that when Adam and Eve sinned, ate of the forbidden fruit, the image of God within them became broken. It's still there, but it became marred and shattered. What we know is that ever since that moment that Adam and Eve sinned, that every single human sense has been born with a broken image of God. Which means that every single kid we interact with is an image bearer. Now, they might have, you know, a broken image in them, but it's still there. Which means that the scripture passages that we look at in the scriptures that say, here's how to relate to a fellow image bearer, pertain to kids. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the exact same passage that we looked at last week out of Romans as we continue in our And Jesus series. And we're going to see how this isn't just a passage that's only for how do we relate to fellow adults, but it's really how do we relate even to those younger than ourselves? Because what we're going to discover is that they're not trouble. They're not just annoying. They're not just something to be ignored. They are humans to be valued and they are people to be loved and honored. So would you join me in prayer as we get ready to jump into the scriptures? So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be uh, in my words, that this isn't about what I want to say, that this is about how you want to move our hearts to love the kids that are in this world, those right around us and those to the ends of the earth. And so Father, I pray that you would move today through us, in us, because you want us to be a blessing even to children. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have you ever wondered how God views children. God sees kids with incredible value. Psalm 127 verse 3 says that children are a heritage from the Lord. Another way to translate that would be children are a gift. A gift. I think that's why when you see in the scriptures, you know, a mom or a dad who, who is, doesn't have children, they start praying to God, would you give me a child? And sometimes we see God honor that. And they see that child as a gift, a heritage. I think that's why Jesus says in Luke chapter 18, verse 16, he says, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. I think we need to be reminded of that. Because as we read Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, I think we need to look at it, not just how do I relate to people at work, how do I relate to people in my neighborhood? I think we need to look at it through a filter of, so how should I relate to kids? Whether they're your own children, if you are a parent, whether you're a kid and it's your fellow classmates, or whether it's just the kids in our church or in your extended family or just kids in your neighborhood. So that's what we're going to look at today. So open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 and head to verse 9 uh, again. Now, because we looked at this last week, I'm not going to rehash uh, everything again. Uh, if, if you did miss last Sunday, I encourage you, go online to the, the Riverwood website. You can listen to it there, or you could go in iTunes, or if you know how to do podcasting, you could download it to your phone, and then you could listen to it during your workout or while you're driving. All right? So we're not going to go through all of it again. But I, I want us to look at the same passage, but this time through the filter of how do we relate to kids. Join me in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, 
outdo one another in showing honor. Now, I had the blessing of being dad to four kids, and I remember getting to hold each one of them for the very first time. It was an awesome moment. If you are a parent, you might know what that moment's like, to sit there and hold them and, and feel like your heart's going to explode. I know some people, like, they didn't have those same emotions, but a lot of us, it, it, we just overwhelmed by it. In that moment, it is easy to genuinely love that child. It, it Really, it, we look at this child, and, and even though they can't do anything for us, we just simply love them for who they are. You know, and, and if you're a Jesus follower, you probably saw that child as a gift. And so it was so easy to give honor to them because you're like praising God for the, this little life that's now in your arms. So, so giving genuine love, giving this honor that's talked about here, in that moment, that's easy. But what about a few years later when they aren't quite so little and helpless? They have a voice of their own. They start making their own decisions and choices. Do we still honor and love them the same way? I unfortunately have not. I've had embarrassing moments where I've lost it. I've yelled at my kids and I have not said honoring things to them. There have also been some other moments where I've ignored them. I've been more wrapped up in Twitter or, you know, checking out the, the score from the game than I had been listening to my kids tell me about their day. If you're like that at all, what you need is that change in perspective. We need to start seeing that these sort of passages aren't just about general relationships. They can be also be applied to children, whether our own or someone else's. And so what I want to do is I want to jump over to Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't know where Ephesians is, don't worry about it. We're coming back to Romans. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 6, Paul starts giving some helpful advice, I guess you could say, on how parents should interact with their children. In verse 4 of chapter 6, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, the word there, fathers, is a plural word. And so uh, some commentators I heard said that, that it, it's, yes, it's a, a male, you know, form of the word, but it really means parents, all right? So, it, yes, fathers, but mothers, you're, you're in on this too. All right, so it's basically fathers, mothers, do not provoke your children to anger. But right before he talks to parents, he talks to kids, and he says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Now, I don't know of any parent that looks at that and says, that's complete poppycock. I mean, I think most people go, yeah, I, I'd love for my kids to obey me. I think even atheist parents, even though they may not believe the Ten Commandments, because he quotes the Fifth Commandment there in verse 2, I think even they're saying, yeah, I, I would like my children to honor me. And so no one has a struggle, a problem with this. In fact, some parents even use this as like a, a weapon. You know, they, they, they look at their kid and go, you must obey me. For Ephesians 6.1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And if you do so, you will live long in the land. If you do not obey me, you will not live long. I promise you, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. So go make your bed. We, we sometimes lose it. No, we, we don't have a problem with these first three verses. We, we like these three verses as adults, as parents. But if we really like these first three verses, why do we get so casual with verse 4? Why do we sometimes take the toy to the little toddler and put it just outside their reach and causing them some frustration and we provoke them to anger? 
What, why do we sometimes find a little bit of delight in kind of teasing, poking at our kids, provoking them to anger? Why is it when they come and ask us, hey, can I do this? And there's really no reason why they can't, but we still say no. Why? Just so we can exert some power and control. Remind them who's the boss. Why, why do we do this? Why do we do it? Paul actually begins to help us understand more of how we need to have that change in perspective in the very next section. Look at verse 5 through 9 with me in, here in Ephesians 6. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening. Knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Now I realize that this at first blush is a little bit offensive because I'm going to be giving you parenting advice based on a passage about slavery, okay? So first of all, kids, you are not the slaves of your parents, even though it feels like it, all right? They're trying to help grow you up in the discipline that talks about there in the end of verse 4, right? They're trying to help you, all right? So you're not a slave. But, but also, for those of you who are sitting there thinking like, this is offensive, this is horrible. First of all, slavery in biblical times was different than how it is in modern times. Modern slavery is an absolute evil. It is, it is atrocious. In biblical times, not that I'm trying to glamorize it and say, oh, that was totally fine. But there was a difference. Sometimes slavery was to pay off a debt. Once you paid off the debt, you were free to go. Also, some slaves were slaves by choice. They wanted to serve their masters. For whatever reason, maybe they were trying to pay off a debt. They really loved their master. So even though they became free, they willingly, it's what's called a bond servant. They chose to serve their master. They wanted to be their slave. Maybe it's out of love, devotion, loyalty. Maybe they didn't think they could do anything else, but it was willing. It wasn't by force. But what I love here is what Paul does. First, he treats the slaves like equals. And notice, he talks to them like they have a true faith in Christ. He doesn't treat them as like subhuman. He treats them as full human. And even says, as you go about serving, do not serve your masters. Really, ultimately, you serve Christ. Because as you do it as if Jesus was your master, you'll be honoring and loving your earthly master. And then did you notice what he says to the masters themselves? Right there in verse 9. He says, masters, do the same to them. Just as he got done saying, all right, slaves, honor your masters by serving Christ, saying to the masters, all right, you do the same. You honor your slaves, not because they're subhuman, they're less than you, just the opposite. At the very end of this, he says, there's no partiality with God. The God sees all of us completely equal. Whether you're slave or free, male or female, you've got white skin or brown skin or black skin or whatever, you're, we're all equal. If you are human, you have the image of God in you. That image has been broken. Jesus came to die for it, but you still have value. And so because you have incredible value in the eyes of God, we need to show love and honor to one another. And so just as the world often thinks that masters are above slaves, and Paul's saying, no, you're actually equals, most people think that parents are over children. And Paul's trying to say, no, you're both 
equals. Now, yes, there's authority structures that must be maintained, but when it comes to our value and our worth, we're equals, which is why fathers and mothers should not provoke their children to anger because that is a fellow image bearer who is worth the love and honor. Jesus died for them. So you need to honor them and love them because that is ultimately God's precious child, not just yours. I think this is why Paul, back in Romans 12, verse 16, says this. He says, live in harmony with one another. And this is the key part. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I, I think sometimes when it comes to like a parent and a child or a, a teacher and their students, it, it's viewed as like the adult, they're the really wise one. And so we might start thinking, I'm, I'm way smarter than these kids. They're just a bunch of little dummies. You say, no, no, no. Don't be wise in your own sight. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Uh, sometimes kids aren't treated as maybe like full citizens. And Paul's saying, no, actually, they have the image of God in them. They are fully human. You need to love them. This is why, at Riverwood, we are absolutely committed to Kids Creek. Right now. We are hearing a bunch of noise spill over there, all right? Some of you are probably going, oh, man, this is really bothering me. I hope not, because they are learning about Jesus right now. We are so committed to this that we spent a lot of time last Saturday building walls, trying to help mitigate this sound and create a space for them. I think some churches sometimes view kids as, hey, we need to get these kids out of, of here so that the adults could do the real worship. At Riverwood, it's more like, no, we need to keep the adults away from the kids so the kids can have the environment where they can fully learn about Jesus. A number of you, you are committed to helping us in Kids Creek. You serve in the preschool and the nursery. You help out with the elementary. We are so thankful for you. It takes a lot of work, but they are worth it. Jesus died for them just as much as he did for us. So it isn't like this is the real ministry and that's just babysitting. No, there's real ministry going on right now back there. That is important. And so we're committed to it because they are image bearers. Jesus died for them. And so we as a church family need to do everything we can to love them, to honor them, and allow them to hear about Jesus, to raise them up in the instruction of the Lord. But we also need to figure out how do we show love to other kids around us? Some ideas. Maybe you could do something like I have. Join, join up with big brothers, big sisters. You become a mentor to a kid. And if you do school-based, it's a half an hour once a week. You go into the school, you hang out with them for half an hour. Me and my little, we play games. Sometimes it's talking, maybe it's helping them with some homework. You just invest that little bit of time just to try to bless them. Or maybe you sign up to be a youth coach. You do sports. I don't know if you've noticed, but Waverly and, and this whole area are a little sports crazy. And they're constantly needing coaches. So sign up, even if your kid isn't doing it. Yes, it's going to cost you time, but you're investing and changing the life of some kids. Maybe it's helping out right back there, signing up to help out preschool, nursery, elementary. Maybe you just be an assistant. Maybe you're, you're ready to help be a teacher. Maybe it's just to help hold a baby, to create the environment where these children know that they are loved because they have the image of God in them. And we want to see them come to an awareness that Jesus died for their sin and so they're in an environment where they feel safe, then they're much more likely to have fun and then hear that gospel message. What can you do to let these children know 
whether they're in your home, in your neighborhood, or in your church, that they matter. That they matter to you because they matter to God. But today, I don't want you just walking out of here thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to love my kids at home, or I'm, I'm going to love the kids that are at Riverwood, or I'm, I'm going to get involved in my kids' school more, or, you know, I want you to do those things, but I want to take this one step further. I want you to also consider, how can I bless a kid around the world? Ever since Riverwood started, we've just chosen to partner up with Compassion International. Uh, it's mostly because Leanne and I have been Compassion sponsors for 24 years now. And we've had various kids, and, and currently we, we sponsor three. Um, and so we've seen God use Compassion International dramatically in the lives uh, of these kids. And so what I want to do today is I want to challenge you to consider becoming a sponsor. It is currently about $38 per month. For some of you, that's going to sound really, really harsh. That, that, that's a lot. And yet, if you think about it, that's probably less than your cell phone bill. And yet, for that $38 a month, you're able to provide a meal. You're able to, every day, you're able to provide schooling. You're able to provide a uniform. And it's all done through the context of a local church where these kids are going to get to hear the gospel. It isn't just meeting their physical or, or, or academic needs. It's also meeting their spiritual needs. And so what I want to do is this. I want to invite the ushers to come and pass the giving bags. And so if you would take your connection card and drop that in the giving bag right now. And also, if you're giving today as part of your worship, we just say a huge thank you. Uh, you can see some of how that is being used. But we also want you, as you, those bags are being passed, to watch these videos and consider, could I take on one child? Could I sponsor one kid at $38 a month knowing that that will change their life? So as the ushers pass the giving bags, will you watch this video? Growing up as a child, life was very hard. And many other times that if we didn't have food, then we'd go to scavenge in the, in the dumping site. I didn't have food the day before, neither the other day before. I only knew that I was hungry and I needed food. As a child, I grew up with a lot of hopelessness and I knew that death was the best thing for me. At the age of seven, I lost three family members. I lost my mom and I lost my stepdad. I lost my small brother, Patrick, because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. In the middle of prostitution. Feeling so helpless. Poverty made me feel less valued. It made me feel not loved. It made me feel uh, less of a human. It's so hard when you have not eaten dinner and knowing you not have lunch and you're not assured for dinner the following day. It's just feeling very helpless, like things are not going to be better. I lost four of my siblings due to preventable diseases. Uh, three of them died before the age of five. My sister, we were sleeping with her in the same bed and she, she had died. Things changed later when I joined the program. When I started attending the Compassion Project, 
I was learning about the Bible, but the most important thing for me was that I was receiving food. I got an opportunity to go to school uh, with a pair of school uniform, with a pair of shoes. My mother heard about a church that worked with children. They're taking care of me, tutors, a pastor, a compassion director. Words are very powerful. My life was changed because someone told me, I believe in you, I love you, and I know you will succeed in life. My sponsor was a college student from Michigan, and in the first letter, she just told me that she wanted to make room for me. My sponsor, he was eight years old when I was nine, so he was one year younger than me. One decision to make room for one more changed my life. Saved my life. Saved my life. Will you make room for a child that needs you? Will you make room for one more? It's up to you. My name is Rafael. My name is David. My life was changed by a 26 years old college student. Her name is Joan. Gail and Roger. Her name is Jamie. My sponsor made room for one more. And that one more. And that one more was me. Was me. Sponsor a child through compassion today. Release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. A few weeks ago, they sent us some packets uh, this morning. And so I, what I want to do is I want to invite you to go back and look at those packets and uh, just pray. Maybe one of those kids will jump out. Maybe they've got a birthday that's close to yours or you've got a heart for a certain region of the, the country. Um, I realize that for some of you, $38 a month is, is going to be hard. And yet I want to see us be a church that is generous uh, rather than to ask you just to take that $38 and just pour it into Riverwood, I, I want you to seriously consider, would you make room for one more? Would you take on one more child? Would, would you take on, you, maybe you're already a compassion sponsor, and you're ready to take on even one more. Um, would you do that? Because I can tell you that the letters we've gotten from our kids, Aleki and uh, Lemick and Rosina, uh, have revealed that their lives are being changed. Uh, we we love hearing about how they're doing in school, what they're learning at, at church. We hear about their families. Um, and so we'd love for you to make that kind of a difference in a child's life. And it's more than just sending money. You, you're sending your heart because you get to, the chance to write letters to them. There's opportunities to send them additional gifts. Uh, it, it's remarkable the, the difference that you can make. Um, and so would you prayerfully consider it? Uh, would you prayerfully consider going back to that compassion table and, and looking at the kids and, and adopting one of them? Um, I would love to see at least four of those kids get sponsored today. Maybe one of the sponsors will be you. And so, Father, I just pray that you would use Riverwood Church to be a blessing to kids, uh, whether it happens in Kids Creek on a Sunday morning, whether it happens during growth groups throughout the week, whether it happens th as we go into the schools or to the ball fields or, or we, we hang out with our, our family who have kids, that we would be a church that blesses these children. Because Jesus, you said, let the little children come to me. And so if you want them, use us to help bring them to you. 
So, Father, would you just give us a love and a heart for these children? Because we are your children. You see us as children, and we have such incredible worth in your eyes. So give us your eyesight. Help us to see little ones the way you see them. May that include some of these uh, compassion kids. May May you move our church family to sponsor some of these kids and that their lives would be changed because we chose to be used by you to generously give so that these kids could not just get food, not just get clothing, not just get an education, but they would have every opportunity to hear about Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.